This is Michael Palstack. You're listening to Improv Nerd. Jimmy, Jimmy Corrine, Jimmy Corrine's a nerd. Jimmy Corrine's an improv nerd. Jimmy Corrine's a nerd. Oh, Jimmy. Hey everybody, Jimmy Corain, and you're listening to another episode of Improv Nerd, sponsored by our good friends at Hotel Lincoln. The next time you find yourself here in the city of Chicago and you're looking for a cool boutique hotel that's close to everything, you can walk to Second City, the Lincoln Park Zoo. It's not only improviser friendly, it's pet friendly as well. Not many hotels can brag about that. Check out the official hotel of Improv Nerd, Hotel Lincoln. Our guest today is Michael Palasek. Michael is a stand-up comedian. He's been on Letterman, Leno, Ferguson. He tours around the country. And he's quite an accomplished improviser studying here in Chicago with the annoyance Second City in the Improv Olympic. And we're pretty excited about this show because this is the first time that we've interviewed a stand-up, a very successful stand-up, who has an extensive improv background. When I was starting out in the 80s uh, doing improvisation, if you thought about stand-up's got a lot of shit and then and uh if you were an improviser and you were thinking about doing stand-up or you were doing it simultaneously which when i think back very few people did you got a lot of shit for that because you were either an improviser or stand-up and i'm really glad today more than ever uh people are not only you know they're doing improv and they're doing stand-up and they're doing sketch so it's all become like one comedy community this is a great interview. Uh, Michael talked about his, his improv background and how he applies it to stand-up. He also talks about de- developing his uh, stand-up persona and where he wants to go further with that. He has a great story about Jimmy Fallon. And we also talk about stand-ups uh, have this reputation of not being good actors and what he's doing to become a better actor. Before we get to the interview, I, I just want to say something uh, that's been all over the Improv Nerd Facebook page, and I've created it. Um, there's this idea with our, our new season coming up in March with, with live shows here in Chicago that an idea that Ben Caprera, our producer, came up with was have Susan Messing interview me. Now, I've known Susan for a long time, and i got to tell you something. This idea of being interviewed scares the hell out of me. Now, I know I, I, I interview a lot of people, but you have to remember a couple things. I am a super control freak. Uh, and the other thing is I have low self-esteem, and I think, who is going to want to hear my um, story? Who's going to want to hear my experience, my views on improvisation? And I'll admit it's my way of hiding. I can hide behind the guests. And... Uh, before I, I recorded this, I went to, to my wife, and she said, you know, Jimmy, you're as, a, as accomplished as any of your guests, but I can't see that. So, um, And also, I'm afraid that I'm going to reveal something um, you, know, that, that, you know, that I'm afraid to reveal. And my wife reminded me, Lauren, she's a very smart woman, she said, uh, well, didn't uh, last week uh, on this podcast you talk about being sexually abused? Yeah, I did. So uh, let's get on to the Michael Palasek interview. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Um, here it is. He's a nerd. Oh, yeah. Jimmy's a nerd. 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 He's a nerd. Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. Thanks I, for having I, me. I really appreciate this. Oh. Um, I don't even know where to start with you. Well, you were a student of mine, weren't you? Yeah, I took uh, your slow comedy class when it was at the Improv Olympic, now I.O. And how long ago was that? Oh, jeez. 2000. Did you get anything um, out of it? Six or six. Can yeah. you give me any credit? Can you give me any credit? Uh, when I improvised, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, what? It wasn't a stand-up class. <laughs> uh, no, definitely. Like, I feel like what you did made me feel comfortable with what I was bad at. Which, which was? was uh, playing, like, really far away from myself. Like, character. Like, uh, and I felt like what I learned in your classes is, like, as long as you're sort of, like, uh, acting and and listening and paying attention, you're, that's all you have to do, really. Whatever character is going to be in that scene is going to come out of that, and that's fine. And did, did you not teach that? Like, you know, 
<laughs> no, it was a pretty good description. Right. How do you bring improv? Because because if, if you see your act, it's yeah. very tight. Oh, thanks. okay. How do you how do you take improv and bring it into your stand-up? Um, not a lot when I actually do my show, uh, but when I'm writing. And when I'm just sort of like in between shows, like reworking my set, I just feel like I'm very comfortable being like, I'm going to do this, this here, and then do that there. And I think that's where it sort of just made me comfortable, comfortable without knowing. What is your process? Uh, for stand-up? Yes. Um, it all depends. Like, uh, I'll, like every week I try, right now I'm in a place where like every week I just try to have a new joke that's going to work. I might try out some during the week, but I just try to have one that works. And uh, so during the week I'll try to, I'll free write or whatever, or I'll go back and read free writing, highlight and try and find premises and then, and sort of find jokes from that. Or I'll take stuff that I already have and just try to make them bigger. You know, I took Michael McCarthy's writing class that right. I know. And he, he talked about how like, geez, I'm quoting people who quote people. Uh, <laughs> he talked about how Adele said that like, if you had like, if you, you say something, the seventh choice is going to be the funniest choice. So I'll be like, okay, I need to have something funnier after this. So I'll come up with like 10 ideas. And then I'll pick the seventh one in honor of doubt. Uh, what are you working on right now that you can share with us in terms of your process? Um, stand up, like a joke? Yeah, a joke, yeah. Uh, well, I just, uh, this is so fun. Uh, <laughs> is this uncomfortable? Do you not like no, it? Okay. No, I was being honest. Okay. Um, no, because I like it because it works. Like, I, I just had a joke that uh, I had thought of because I was busy working on things, so I didn't have time to like sit down and write jokes. So I was like, I just thought of this idea a while ago when I was doing this thing, and then like, I was going to bed and I thought of it. I was like, I'll try that out on stage tomorrow. And it worked. It was basically like, uh, I was, uh, I hurt my back or whatever and someone, the massage person told me to get a body pillow. And uh, now was this, did this really happen? Yeah, that okay. really happened. I hurt my back. I, I don't know, in August I tried to switch the way I slept because my back was hurting and it made it hurt more. It was bad. Uh, not really bad, but it was just like stupid because it wasn't that bad until I switched and then it was. <laughs> It's like it's like if it's if it's kind of broken, still don't try to fix it. Right. Uh, but uh, so the joke was uh, or is, and it's just new, so don't judge. Um, so I, I the person told me that I should get a body pillow, and uh, I didn't realize how lonely I would look until I was actually in the store asking for a body pillow. <laughs> I get a body pillow. I have a lot of room on my bed. <laughs> it's it's going to be available for a while. <laughs> so that was brand new. <laughs> That's great. And how long did it take you to get to the point you just shared? Uh, I, I thought of the idea probably like Tuesday. I did it on Wednesday. When you mean did it on Wednesday? In a show. Okay. At Comedians You Should Know show uh, on Wednesday night. And then uh, the fun part about a stand-up joke is when it works, it feels like it's like it's really exciting. So you get you get that it works plus the energy you have behind it, which makes it work maybe even better than it should. Um, and then I did it Saturday too. So that's this is the third time I've done it in front of a lot of people. So now after you just did it, are you? Sh this is something that's going to be in your act, and this is tested. I say that to myself about every joke that gets a laugh, but it doesn't always happen. <laughs> so like maybe I, I I feel like this one's got a good chance. Like. This one could be on TV someday. Okay. <laughs> Have you done ones like you do, like you you do it once, twice, you get big laughs, and yeah. then oh for sure. Can you give me? Do you want to hear one? Yeah, yeah, please. So hear one that tanks now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of one that I got disappointed in recently. And you know, there's one now. I look at I, sometimes I look at my set as like I'm like a baseball manager, and these are my guys, and like you gotta stick with them. You can't just send them on the minors. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I do. Uh, there's one joke that was getting a big laugh, but I got self-conscious about a part of it, and I think that makes it less. I have a joke where I talk about my friend. I'm like, uh, he, uh, my friend's in a relationship, and she's a little older than us. Uh, she's still pretty. It's not a big deal. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of a longer bit. And then I say, uh, that's not the problem. He, she, uh, she's really successful is the problem. The other day, he was like, I just hate it that my girlfriend makes more money than me. I'm like, oh, I hope she loses her job. <laughs> And then, uh, see, it, it kind of used to be bigger than that, but it went down a little bit. Well, what was the self-conscious part that got in the way? I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. But thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a personal self-conscious thing, so maybe it won't be as exciting. But so then I, uh, and I'm like, that's, uh, he has two, like, he has a girlfriend, and she has a lot of money. He took two good things, put them together, and found a way to complain about it. That'd be like if I was like, oh, I got these awesome Bears tickets, and they want me to play. Uh, <laughs> and so I got self-conscious for two reasons. One... 
Um, I was worried if I wasn't in Chicago, like, would they get it? You know, do I need to do a joke about being from Chicago first? And then I was self-conscious because my friend was like, well, actually, Michael, that's not the same as that because you can, in the one situation, uh, he has both things and he's complaining about it. In this thing, he's not going to have both things. I'm like, what? Don't. <laughs> Where is... Uh Where's the difference between you and the persona you put on stage? Because I, I see it because I've known you from class yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and in your delivery, there's you almost swallow your words yeah. for a punchline. Where, where's where, Tell us a little about your persona. I'm trying to make it closer to me. I think when okay. I started out, I'm like, I don't know if these things are funny. It just is just subconsciously. I don't know if these things are funny, but I feel like if I do it a little differently, it'll make people laugh. And I think that's not necessarily something I want to do. Like one, there's a comedian named Chad Daniels who's been doing it longer than me. And I asked him one time. I used to ask a lot of stand-ups, like, what do they think about right before they go on stage? And he was like, I just try to be as close to myself as possible. And uh, he's a nice guy, but he's definitely got like, you know, he's kind of a jerk sometimes. So it works. Uh, but he's he's a great guy. He's just dark and. Uh, so like, I think if I could get myself closer to who I am, that'd be better. But yeah, I definitely, when I started out, I was more swallowing my words or more like quieter and lower status, I guess, as a person on stage. Whereas in real life, I'm kind of that way, but... You're kind of low status? I'm, I feel like I fall into it in social situations. I try to like be like, it's easier to go from the bottom and get laughs. Do you think that's because you were a middle kid and you talked about always wanting attention and, and in school you said there was people funnier than you or yeah. better in sports than you? Can you? Yeah, I think the status thing, I don't know, like in growing up like you, like we were talking about, I, uh, there was always someone who I felt like was funnier than me and like definitely athletically wise. Um, and if there wasn't, then we weren't going to have a good team. Uh, <laughs> when I was in high school, and I was like, I think I might be the best player. Oh, we're not going to win. And then we didn't win a lot. Um, we had some good players, though. Uh, I think the, the, the low, I think it's just like, what was it? I, I did a play when I was a freshman in college. It was written by a student, and I played a dumb character. And it was the first play I'd done since I was like in fifth grade. And, and the director kept trying to be like, you know, he's really dumb. He's really dumb. And uh, eventually I started getting a lot of laughs in the shows. And I think part of that might have just stuck with me. And I was like, oh, if I'm stupid or if I'm something that people can laugh at, then it's easier. I think also we moved around a lot as a kid. And I, I would get made fun of. And I what never... What would they really, make fun of you about? I... You, you really... Uh, yes, I knew. <laughs> like, um, just stupid things that kids point out that wouldn't even be funny now. Just like, oh, you're left-handed. Like, <laughs> or like, uh, I wore clothes that didn't look like their clothes. Or like, uh, that was the one thing when I was in second grade, I was left-handed. And then there was a really pretty girl in our class that was left-handed. And so they told me, they made fun of me because they said that I liked her because I was also left-handed. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what. Right. I just want to have friends right now. <laughs> uh, and so I guess that's where it comes from is like, I never wanted to make fun of other people because I knew how that felt and I hated it. So I figured if I could find like flaws in myself, then I, that would be more fun for me and be more fun for everybody. So I think a lower status person on stage is easier to do that with. So, okay. Let, let's just talk about this for a second. Who, what part of you would you like to have more on stage? Uh, like this part, like like you were saying, sometimes I swallow my words. Yeah. I don't want to swallow my words on stage anymore. But I see almost like it's, it, when you do that, yeah. it's almost like that's your stage persona. Yeah. You know, you kind of slow it down a little and it, yeah. Yeah, I know. And a little, it's a little uh, dumb. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Yeah. And I would rather have it be more like, um, Instead of it being like a dumb slowdown, more like, uh, this is a great story, you guys. Slow it, slow it down. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think prevents you? I mean, because you, I mean. Fear. In, what, in terms of what? What if, the, what if my, me being me doesn't work, and then the joke just doesn't work at all? Like, if the joke doesn't work, and I tried this weird thing, and it's, like I said, it's not a choice. I choose, try to choose not to do it. It's just something that, like, like oh, and I think, like you see, a, you see it work, so you know that that can kind of work. But I think me being closer to me, it's like an acting. Like if you can really just be the character, then that's going to be way better than anybody trying to point at that character and be that person. And I feel like that as stand-up, if I can be as like really a person on stage, that's who I am. Then that's going to be way funnier than me being like, oh. Is there any fear like, okay, I've come this far? Because you, I mean, you've had a lot of success. Yeah, thanks. You know, is there, is there? Is there a part of you like, oh, I, I can't give that up. What's my manager going to say? What are people going to say when they call me in? I'm kind of known as this 
persona. Um, well, that's the other thing. I feel like it's always going to be there. Like, that's just kind of who I am from what people have said or whatever. So I feel like I, I've been taking an acting class, and they, they would say that. And I think it comes out in acting more because in stand-up, you can get away with stuff that you wouldn't be able to do on camera, like in a, like a movie or like if someone's really looking at your acting, like, oh, that's not necessarily believable. But on, I feel like on stage, people are laughing at the jokes, so they can sort of... Buy it. So like they would call me out on stuff that I feel like I would do in a joke, and they'd be like, "That's not like you. give me an example." Like in a scene, I'm supposed to like get upset. So instead of actually feeling and thinking upset, I'm just like, "Ah!" I'm like it's like, "Well, that's not believable, but that's just you doing this thing because you do stand up." And I was like, "Oh, that's right." So I feel like I'm trying to process all these things into one. Because the rap on stand up, out, out certainly in L.A., yeah. is that stand ups can't act. Well, some people think that. Some people think they can. I've had meetings where people are like, oh, you just, we've had some dance work with us. Like, uh, I don't know, Aziz and Zari's in a lot of TV stuff. And like maybe, maybe people, like, once they're already on something, they're like, oh, that's not as good as that guy. But I feel like that's definitely out there, and I don't, I don't want that to be me. I want to be able to, I like acting. I want to do it. How did you decide to take acting classes? Because a lot of people from Chicago, if they've done Second City or yeah, Iowa or they whatever, won't they will not do it. Mm-hmm. I've always been someone who uh, doesn't want to do stuff, but then I'm like, oh, I'm not that good yet. Uh, and once it became, once I just had the time to actually like not be on the road and do it, and then I took one, I was like, oh, this is way better than anything I've ever taken. Just because it's very specific to like, they shoot a lot of TV and films, so you're working on TV and film scripts, and it just helped out a lot. You also talked to me about you were doing stand up, and then you saw the movie The Secret, yeah, and you read the book. And I, I, love, I didn't read the book. I just saw the movie. you read the. I read the book actually. Well, yeah. Does it work as well? You got to see it, you know. Yeah. I don't know yet. Because okay. I'm having a hard you time. All this. <laughs> I, I want you to help me with it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So tell me a little about you read the secret yeah. and it changed. Uh, tell me where you were before you read the secret okay. in terms of performance. Performance. Uh, it was. I mean, I remember it was spring of 2007. Performance-wise, I had like a good set. Like my stuff was was all right. I was hosting it clubs doing like 10 or 15 minutes maybe featuring and doing 20 or 25 um but I, when i watched the secret it was like i remember it was like easter sunday night i don't know i'm catholic uh and uh that wasn't a sin to watch the Secret. no i don't think easter so okay. i think i've talked to the priests they say it's okay, okay. Uh, um and my brother was like going back down to college so it's just like my mom my mom does yoga and, and like i was doing yoga and so she was like my yoga teacher said this was great watch it. that's not how my mom talks um <laughs> so we watched it and i just remember sitting there and i was like oh i'm gonna imagine because uh, I was working on a screenplay at the time. So I was like, I'm going to imagine myself. Like, what's the, most what's the most ridiculous thing that I want? I was like, well, I would love to be sitting on the chair talking to Jay Leno about my, about my, screen, my movie that just got made. Uh, and so I would just imagine that. I imagined that for a long time. Um, and how would you imagine it? Before you went to bed? Yeah, well, I mean, or when you were driving, when I was driving, that's the thing that's kind of uh, can be it can be kind of crazy. Where it's like I gotta think this way all the time, and it doesn't that's not healthy, because uh, then you don't get to enjoy life. But uh, I would just I don't remember. I think I would enjoy, I would try to do before I went to bed, or just like when I thought about it a lot. We had a pool at the time in the backyard, so I think I would just like sometimes during the summer I would just be like sitting there and like oh that'd be really fun. <laughs> And then, uh, and then it just made me, my sets, I would try to imagine my sets going better. And then that made me, my stand-up, I think, a little more confident. And at least felt like I was at least working on that, rather than just being like, let's see how this goes. I was like, this is going to be okay. So, what, so before you go in to, to do a set, yeah. what's your ritual? Um, I try to stay focused, but I definitely do something for a little bit and it works and then I forget to do it or get tired of it and then I don't do it and then I get not as good and then I find something new. Um, so right now what I try to do before I set, I try to think of like 10 other really fun sets that I had and just how good it felt and just be really grateful for those. And then I try to imagine this one going really well. What did you imagine before you did this? <laughs> I just thought about, it was like a half second of like everyone being like, eh, hilarious. Like they were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, uh. and you, you, really, you really did do Leno. Do you, do you yeah. attribute that to You know you? what? Okay, so I didn't want to sound crazy. Uh, but not crazy necessarily. But like I also imagined that I was going to win an Emmy. I hadn't done any. <laughs> but you I were like, living with your parents, I was living right? with my parents. And you weren't getting paid for stand-up. I, right? I mean, at clubs, they give you a little bit. Like, right. when it minus gas money, it's like, what are you doing, you know? 
but I imagine that like Steve Carell and Tina Fey were gonna give me my Emmy. And then when I did Leno, it was Steve Carell and Jane Lynch that were the guests, and I got to meet them and shake their hands. And so they didn't give me an Emmy, but like I still thought myself. <laughs> so you didn't feel like a fa- like for me if that was I'm like I didn't win an Emmy. Yeah, sure, I was on Leno with those guys, but I didn't win an Emmy. Well, I gotta I gotta work harder <laughs> this, this this visualization stuff. I I appreciated what the secret gave me, and I thanked it, and I. I felt like I put a lot more effort in the stand-up than my TV and film scripts, so it's sort of like this became the thing that got rewarded by this image. Well, and how do you balance that? Like, how do you go like, okay, I'm going to focus, because you you definitely transitioned out of improv or doing less improv. Yeah, for sure. How'd you make that transition? Like, I'm going to put all my eggs in this this stand-up basket. I just was on the road a lot, and my I was on Mess Hall at the playground, and... Mess Hall was a team? Yeah, they were a team in the playground. We were an incubator team that became a guest team, and, uh... And we eventually just, uh, everyone sort of started alone in separate ways. So once that team was over, and I was in Mission Improbable for a very short amount of time. And once that was kind of like, there was just like, it's, it wasn't, there was no one who was like, come do improv with us when you're around. Uh, they, that commitment, you know, of being around all the time, I just I could, didn't have. So it's it happened more now. I've been able to do improv more now. But And then... How quickly then did you start feeling like, oh, I, I could make a living at this? Once I did my first college, I, uh, I was like, oh, this is real. If I did this every day for a year. And how did you get that house. first college gig? Uh, my college agent. I did. I did uh, how did you get a college agent? Yeah, um, yeah. Stoli is a great musician in Chicago. She has a lot of music open mics. Mm-hmm. And my friend Jeb Cadwell was doing a thing one year where he was trying to go up 400 times in a year. So he would go to all the open mics uh, 400 times doing stand-up. And so I used to be like, if I wanted to go up a lot, I would just be like, where are you going? So he'd take me to these music open mics. And that's how I met Stoli. And she had a college agent. And immediately she's like, oh, you have stuff about college. You should do college. And I was like, well, I don't have an hour. And then about, after about a year of that, she's like, people are going to come to your show who work for a college agent. And don't tell them that you don't have an hour. Just be nice. And then uh, and they came and they liked my set. And then I told them I didn't have an hour. And they were like, that's okay. We don't want you to stretch. And then like six months later, they just booked my first gig. And they're like, they know you don't have an hour. Uh, and how did that gig guess. go? The night before the gig, I did all my jokes in my parents' family room to the wall, and I looked at the watch at the end, and I was like, oh, I got an hour. And so I went on the stage, and I had, what? like, a notebook, and I did them at the show, and people laughed. And it was, I did that school recently. What school was it? St. Mary in the Woods. Okay. In Indiana. When I did it the first time, it was really fun. I did it recently. It was, like, the one of the worst shows ever. What happened? <laughs> well, you know how, like, uh, the first time I did it, it was in a room, and people were sitting and watching. This time I did it, people were in line waiting to get coffee, and I was like, well, and they're like, what do you want to start the show? I was like, well, maybe we should wait for them to sit down. Like, no, we want you to start so that way they stay. Like, oh, well, maybe, I don't want them here if they're just going to stay, just like to watch me like a commercial. (laughs) (laughs) And like, there were some people getting like mixed drinks where there was like a blender going during my punchline. I was like, oh, that's decent. Yeah. And then um, you got to do, I mean, you've done Ferguson, Leno, Letterman. Uh, what was what was it like to do Letterman? Letterman was amazing because uh, I was in between like two weeks of a lot, of a lot of road stuff, and when you're on the road, you're kind of alone a lot, and you're you're whatever, and it's fun, but you're alone and you're alone. Is it lonely? It's kind of lonely when you're. Alone. <laughs> I didn't. I never thought of myself as lonely. I would just do things that lonely people do. Like <laughs> looking back now, I was like, oh, I was kind of, I was kind of really scared about life. Uh, so it was like, and I got to go to New York, and, and my parents came out to see it, and I had family in New York that came out to see it. We went out to dinner the night before, and like I did, got to do a show at a club, and like the Bears won their playoff game, and like, and uh, then the next day was my show, and at Letterman, they don't tell you to get off stage. They're like, this is the set, do that set. We have the mount blocked off. Like some places are like, they'll give you a light, basically, and you're on live television, like, how much time do I have left? You know, which is ridiculous. Uh, but at Letterman, they're just like, oh, we've timed this out. We can fix it if it goes, whatever. This is what you're going to do. So it's great. You don't have to worry about that. They pull the camera back. The lights are down before you go on stage. They're like, oh, the Beatles were here one time. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> they killed. Yeah. No, they they killed. Really don't well, worry so. about it. They yeah. killed. Oh, thanks, Biff. Uh-huh. And then uh, <laughs> you kind of see Dave, but he doesn't ever look over at all. And then I went on stage, and the, the booker told me that I could look over at Dave or whatever because I was from Indiana. And so in the middle of my set... <laughs> In the middle of my set, I mentioned Indiana and looked over, and nothing happened. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. Is Dave like doing his tags? No, he was, he was. I couldn't see him. I don't okay. even remember. I think the lights are down or whatever. But afterwards, he came over and asked where I went to college, and he was really nice and really funny. And that's the only contact you had with him. That was the only contact I had with him. And I, 
heard from people who worked on the show that the way he greeted me after my set meant he really liked me. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then what is it like? Oh, so you do Letterman, and then yeah. the next week, the next weekend, you're, you're going to some college in Iowa. Yeah, I don't remember what I had. Were next. you high off this? I would have been yeah. high for. It was amazing. I just did it, and like, I think actually that was right before I moved to LA. So it was like I, uh, I did that, and then moved to LA and had shows. But I actually canceled a Chamber of Commerce gig in Indiana. And I was like, and they were like, my college agent had booked it, and they're like, and I was like, I can't do it. And they're like, why not? I'm like, well, I'm doing Letterman. I'm like, oh, I don't know if they're gonna understand. I'm like, well, I hope they understand. I like their Chamber of Commerce. But. That's a really, that's yeah, a really David good Yeah, David Letterman's only offered one. Yeah. Are you still working with that agent? Yeah. Okay. I don't know, Chamber yeah. of Commerce, yeah. Letterman. I You've got to, I, we can't make that decision He for knew you. I should do it. He was just sort of like, they don't want to call me like, I can't do it. Can I, what does the Chamber of Commerce gig pay? Uh, it was pretty good. I think it was like 1200 or oh. 800 or $600. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a meal with that, right? Usually they give you a meal if you yeah. get there on <laughs> Yeah. Um, the crowd How did things great. change when you did Letterman? Um, I felt, I felt uh, like, I don't really know. I felt like I accomplished something that a lot of stand-ups had as a goal. Mike Birbiglia sent me an email that felt really good. Andy Kindler sent me one. Not really, not really a lot. <laughs> is it is it a huge like status thing in the stand-up community if you've done Letterman that? It definitely is like the brass ring, but it definitely was a thing where I was like, if I was trying to get to headline at a club, I could be like, I did Letterman, and they might be like, oh, that's great, you can headline, but they will also be like, well, no one knows you did Letterman. <laughs> like, so it's sort of like it's a great thing, but. Uh, you sort of need a lot of those things, I feel like, at some point. Um, are you ready to improvise? I've been waiting. When was the last time? We, have you really? Uh, uh, no, I love improvising. Um, I, the last time I improvised, I got to sit in with uh, Summer Nights at I.O. Okay. And that was really fun. And then how long ago was that? That was like uh, that was like a month ago or okay. two weeks ago. So. All right. So um, we're going to get I'm still really scared about it. Are you really? I, th I feel like I say I'm scared so that way <laughs> if I appear scared, people are like, oh, he's scared. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like now that you're like a successful stand-up, you've been on all these TV, the people have expectations when they come out and see you? Uh, doing stand-up, I felt that way. Like I think I felt that way after Letterman. I felt like people had expectations, but I've kind of gotten over that. And I'm like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to bomb here. So it's like okay. What are you visualizing right now for this part of the show? Oh, I've visual. I, I this you part is the next part. Together? Can I have like a yeah? Okay. So, so help me out. How would we do this? Okay. So like first, do you have like a? Do you, I know real improvisers. I guess don't ever remember their scenes. But like, is there a scene that you remember that you really enjoyed? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. So maybe just sort of like like put yourself in that space, and just be like. Like see it, and then like maybe whoever you're with, or maybe like a moment where you really felt something. I'm getting really excited. As you yeah, say, is that good? That's, is that that's good. That, okay. Oh yeah. Okay, okay. And then just sort of be like, ah, then just sort of say thank you for that moment. Okay. Thank you for that moment. I'm really grateful for that moment. I'm really grateful for that moment. And then now we can imagine where are we gonna improvise at? Right here. Right here. Yeah. Okay, so we can like look at the space and just sort of imagine doing the scene and feeling those feelings too. Feeling that's a really good feeling. <laughs> anyway, and then then I say, uh, uh, um, what what do I say? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for the magnificent outcome to this improv scene. Okay. So thank you, thank you. You want to say it together? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's say it together. Thank, thank you, thank, thank you, you, thank you for this well, magnificent. We gotta mean it. Did you mean it? No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm just following along. With I you. know. This is scary. Are you? Well, like, okay. One thing I do when I don't feel like I'm saying thank you, because it's easy just to be like thank you. But like, <laughs> there was one thing I booked where I was like really grateful. I didn't ever think what it would was happen. It? it was like that web series we were talking about. Or the got, one that I got to act with Comedy Central yeah. with Keckner and Dave Keckner. Yeah. When, because I didn't even audition or anything. Because I thought it was based on your stand-up. Yeah, maybe. Because it was about a guy living at home yeah, yeah they pitched me for it because of that but that's I just sort of got it out of the blue and it was great so and I felt so grateful so I just try to think of like how grateful I felt in that moment and then like oh how grateful do I feel for this scene going really good so I just be like thank you thank you can we say it together yeah <laughs> yes. okay so for the, thank you thank you thank you for the magnificent outcome to this okay. improv scene thank, thank you, you thank you thank you for the magnificent outcome of this scene, scene. okay yeah. great so we need a suggestion for this magnificent improv yeah. scene uh could we have a suggestion alligator alligator so you hear alligator yeah what do you think um of an alligator <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
I, I, my first thought was French fry, but I don't know why that was in there. <laughs> right. Maybe because, like, you can eat alligator. So okay. I, I would be eating French fries. Okay. Um, so you think of eating French fries? I just thought of French fries. That's the word I thought of. But I think that's because I'm kind of crazy. Like, <laughs> like, when I associate things, I'm just like, that's what I was thinking of. But it's like, no, you're just... So not. what will you? So you hear alligators, you go French fries. How are you going to start the scene? How am I going to start the scene? Well, I thought French fries, but I was like, that doesn't make sense for alligators. So right. I was like, oh, but there's an alligator right there. So I'd be like, so I would, I would probably just, I don't know what I would do because I hadn't gotten that far. Okay. <laughs> okay. But my, the closest I got was like, maybe there's an alligator right there. But then I probably would have been like, ah, oh, that's not. Okay. We'll, we'll see what Jimmy does. Okay, great. <laughs> Jimmy doesn't know what he's going to do. Okay, uh, let's have a location too. Can we have a location? Dentist office. A dentist office. Okay. Great. All right. Yeah, you don't have to bring that. That was like my mom might come in later. How is your mother? Yeah, she's she's okay. She's just uh, you know, she uh, she's okay. <laughs> is there something you want to tell me? She got eaten by an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, knew about it. I, d I didn't want to bring it up. She can just dance around. Yeah. So I just try to say it right away. Yeah. Well, I get, I like, I get sad, and then I'm like, I don't know if you saw this. I, I saved this. It was in the paper. She made the front page. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen something like this in this town in a long time. Did you think? When you say that, like showing it to me would be like a good experience. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I thought we could uh, connect by doing that. Oh, like I, your mom got eaten by an alligator. Look, I have the paper that says that. <laughs> I'm well, sorry. I'm just in a bad mood. I, I understand. So if you could just open your mouth there. I don't know even about the alligator thing. Like that's just that's part I'm burying. Because okay. I haven't seen Cindy in here, your wife, in a while. Yeah, she's good. You say she's good, but I. No, she's actually good. She's good. Because we, uh, Denise tried to call her, and the the line was disconnected. Yeah, she doesn't pay the phone bill. <laughs> Because she left. She left you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought so. It was in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was on page three. Divorce is There's, there's no news. Yeah. <laughs> no news in this town. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. I thought we'd be closer. What do you What do you mean? Like I would, I'd be like, hey, um, you're my mom, right? Well, also. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a look and see what we got to do here today. All right. Great. Okay. Uh, just standard cleaning? I, you're the dentist. Yeah. <laughs> um, why, why did she leave you? <laughs> My opinion or what's in the paper? <laughs> um, I haven't read the article yet, so maybe you could like do a quick summary from the article and then offer your perspective. Sure. And then offer your pers actual perspective, not your perspective on the article. Okay. Uh, All three of those. Great. So, do you want me to give you Novocaine for this or just can you take it? <laughs> I'm going to need some Novocaine. <laughs> in, in your knee? What's that? I can do it in your knee if you'd like. 
Yeah, my knee would be good too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why don't you just leave the needle out? <laughs> okay, I'll let you handle it. Okay? Yeah. So, <laughs> according to the paper, it said she was getting a promotion. Can you build something? Sure. Uh, according to the paper, she was leaving town because uh, she was getting a promotion. That's what was according to the paper. Uh, See, but. <laughs> so maybe you weren't. Maybe she's coming back. No, she's not coming back. Okay. But maybe she wants. I mean, she's got a job. Okay, but that's what was in the paper. Now, you want my opinion of what happened? Denise told me she. Okay, I'm sad that I asked for all the opinions now. How's Denise? It's so good. Great. This yeah. is just to help with the emotional pain. <laughs> yeah, I heard it. You, uh, you weren't home enough, and she felt you were depressed a lot. So I'm a professional athlete. What am I gonna do? Not be a professional athlete? I'm not home sometimes. <laughs> you fix. You, you play Xbox, that's not a professional <laughs> You're not getting paid for it. And you wonder why I don't feel like we're close enough? <laughs> okay, here. She's having, you've known this. She's been having an affair for years, all right? I didn't know it. I just suspected it, and I didn't believe it. If you don't believe it, and you suspect it, then you don't have to live with it. <laughs> okay, so now you've, you've been living in denial with it. All right? She's having an affair. The guy's name is Stu. He's got two kids. He's divorced. Where does he live? Iowa City. <laughs> You're not going to find that in the paper. That's information that I got. That's very helpful information. Yeah. <laughs> How old are his kids? They're four and six. That's really young. Yeah. Well, she wanted to have kids with you, but you were always on the road. I can still have kids on the road. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be a good dad, obviously, but a lot of great people didn't have good dads. If you love someone, you have kids with them regardless of whether they're there. What? Did you fill that out here? Yes, I did. I want to take my mouth now. <laughs> I always feel like that hurts more. It does when you do it yourself. <laughs> Did you, uh, did you think that you could have stopped it? Yeah. yeah. The Novocaine or the... The, <laughs> <laughs> the cheating, you... You could have stopped it? Yes. But you didn't it. stop it. No, I didn't want to stop it. No. Because you don't think I'm good for her? Yes, that's right. I don't think you're good for her. I sent all her dental records back to Iowa City. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I care about her, not her dental records. <laughs> Look, you're a fuck up, okay? I am a professional athlete. You, are, you play Xbox, okay? You go to colleges. How old are you now? 37. Right, okay, you go to colleges and you play in... And I beat the kids. <laughs> That's how I make my money. I want to help you, okay? Do I've you? Because yes. maybe you could have stepped in when my wife was cheating on me while I was destroying kids. I left you <laughs> messages on your phone, and you didn't. You never got back to me. I cheated on my wife. And this girl, she was
you bob that curl? My mom got eaten by an alligator. <laughs> you had a rough month. Yeah. Do you love her? Or was Why it a one mom? Oh, the no, girl. the girls. The girl, um, I did feel love towards her, but I've learned now that that's just called infatuation. Um, and so we talk sometimes, but I don't think it's going to work out because she's like, she's a sophomore. And she's still got some years left. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm not even a graduate student. You're not even a student. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. What's wrong with me makes me great at video games. <laughs> Maybe you're looking at help right here. Maybe like a therapist too? <laughs> yeah. Can you help can you help me? I can help you. Thank you. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> That was great. What'd you think? I had a lot of fun. I did too. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really think a lot. I just sort of had fun. Well, you definitely had like a character and a point of view with this guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you think that's, do you, do you go to that character a lot, do you think? Um, for sure. Yeah. I think like, I don't know. I definitely, <laughs> when I do improv now, I definitely enjoy scenes like this where it's just two people doing a long scene because I, as a stand-up like, Oh, I do jokes all the time, so I'd rather just like be able to feel something. And so, the more I can feel something, the more I can. So I feel like that's one of those What things. do you mean, feel something? Like as an actor, like feel an emotion about something. Yeah, because like, I really got to say you were, act, you were acting. Uh, oh, you know? like in a good way. Not in a like good way, acting. not like he's acting. <laughs> acting. No, 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 no. That's like, what I like, want to like, do, yeah. Yeah. In improv. That's is what act I want. more. Yeah. Yeah, because that's how I felt you, you know, because I had seen you and I didn't know how you worked and, and I yeah. thought you were... I felt that when we first talked when I came in. I was like, he doesn't know if I can do improv anymore. Which that's is true. fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, because I... Yes, exactly. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, you're doing stand-up all the time. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. You know? And uh, so uh, I, I thought it was... I, I really enjoyed it. Yes. I felt a little lost. I didn't know if we were... I, I was trying to find a game or a character for me, but... I felt like I wanted to touch you more. Okay. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I, what I, prevented you from? You that? know what? I I, I kind of went back to it, but I never like heightened and explored it. I just like, oh, this is something I want to do. I I was afraid of it. I was like, am I am I gonna am I attracted to him? I think I was. I think that character was like, oh, I wanna, I'm just gonna turn to this guy because he's there. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that would have given something really to the relationship. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm sorry I did that to you. Like, <laughs> by not doing it. <laughs> Is that how you process uh, after you do improv? You're like, you go and you apologize. No, that's the everybody? first time I've ever apologized. Okay, to somebody. great. It's on camera. I mean, it's on. It's being recorded. Yeah, it's yeah. being recorded. So yeah. I was like, let the record show. Yeah, I was aware. Yes, yeah. that I left Jimmy. <laughs> no, you didn't. It, yeah. it's, um, what is it like failing? Not failing, but doing a bad improv scene versus doing a bad stand-up set. Um. I don't do bad stand-up sets. <laughs> I feel like when I do stand-up, if it's bad, it's just sort of like because something out there is distracting me, like I'm not focused on what I'm doing. You never blame the audience. I do. I do that, blame them for not like listening, you know? But if I feel like I did my best to connect with the people that were listening, I'm not going to be like... If someone asks, like, oh, you did great, or whatever, was that a good set? I'd be like, no, they didn't really laugh. If you're measuring my laughter, you know? No, but I feel, I feel, I feel like if I really tried to connect and really did it, but they weren't laughing because they weren't listening, that's not my problem. Or because they didn't get it. What about when you do... When I do a bad improv scene, 
um, it's been like it's been a while since I've done a lot of improv, but I remember bad improv scenes just felt horrible because I felt like that that didn't work because I wasn't focused on anything. Like in improv, you only have to focus on the first. Like you can just do what you're doing and then do it. But I was trying to do everything, and that just fell back because it was very much like, oh, this world was perfect and I destroyed it. I'm the person that ruined it. I feel like that that was like you take on more responsibility. Like for this yeah. scene, you're like, oh. You took on more responsibility, like when you apologized. Oh no! When I when I apologized, I just thought that'd be funny to say. Uh, <laughs> but I did feel like, like you were saying, as an actor, as a performer, you should be able to like. You, I should feel like I should take those like things that I want to do, but I'm afraid to do. You should do that. Do that thing. I feel like a million teachers have right. said that. Um, so I did feel kind of like you shouldn't apologize, but I, that is something I would. Regret it or whatever, but taking taking our responsibility. If a scene goes bad, I've definitely improvised with people who I didn't feel like were connected to the scene at all. But I've had a great time. Like I don't think that's affected me at all. So I, think, I always think if I'm not having fun, it's all because I'm not focused on something. Okay. Well, I feel like I could have given you more. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Can I can I do this like in a couple years? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're gonna take some questions from the yeah. audience. All right. About what we just did, or about Michael, or about stand-up. Yes. Back there. What's the character that you've played that was furthest from yourself? Because you said you're more comfortable doing it. Yeah. Um, furthest from myself. Like in like a sketch show or like an improv scene or either one. Either one. Um. You know, being on the low status kick, I did have a coach that was like one time, he was like, you're playing all low status, so let's try to throw in some high status characters. So there was a scene where I played like a doctor, uh, but he was stupid, so that wasn't really far away from where I was. <laughs> like I'll play high status, but I'm like, he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, I did play a homeless woman who sold, uh, who sold uh, mattresses on the side of the road. <laughs> in a in a sketch show, and that was the furthest probably ever. <laughs> I would say, and I had a bird that was like really close to me, and I wanted to play Texas Hold'em with him, but he didn't have chips. <laughs> That's probably definitely the furthest. Okay, you got uh, another question, right here. Would you say that your writing and your stand-up affects the way you uh, improvise? Oh, for sure. Like, I think people say like they all help and I didn't really understand it right away, but as a stand-up you get to develop kind of like how you react to things just every day. Mm -hmm. So like in an improv scene, if I haven't done improv in a while, or even if I have, I just feel like I'm just going to sort of try to li re listen and react to what you say and just sort of trust that. And that might be cheating. Cheating in what way? In the sense that like, I'm not going to bring anything to this, I'm just going to take what you give me. Like I didn't, I didn't, oh, I'm not going to like start something in the scene or I'm not going to initiate, I'm mm -hmm. just going to wait till that person says something. Great. I wonder if uh, when you were doing mics, uh, was, yeah. there, was there a point where you started to feel like, okay, I feel like maybe I'm getting the hang of this, and I wonder yeah. which came first, like writing jokes that popped or yeah. being able to deliver them yeah. successfully? My friends around me that did stand-up said I was always a better writer than I was a stand-up, and they're like, once you figure out how to do this, <laughs> okay. Uh, so I feel like I was always like the jokes, because of who I was on stage of like kind of nervous or whatever my jokes had to be a little better just because people, I wasn't necessarily selling them. I didn't know how to do that as me. So I felt like when I really started to feel good about it was when I started to sell the jokes that I had a little better. Cause then they were already good jokes cause I wasn't gonna get laughs based on who I was. So once I started to get laughs on who I was and I had the jokes, then it was really fun. When did you find your voice? I, I kind of feel like when you did that show at the Skybox, yeah. it was like now you had this like guy living at home. Yeah. Was that, where do you think you... Yeah, I for sure, because I had like some jokes about living at home with my parents, but that show made me write them as sort of a one-person show, and I came up with like two of the jokes that I ended up doing on Leno, and, and I feel like it gave me a perspective on who I was, and it also felt like a lot of those jokes were true in a way that I was comfortable telling them. They were like, those are real, I wasn't making that up, and so I really feel like that's going to be a better joke because it's coming from an honest place. Uh, another question? Right here. Um, when you first started stand-up, how'd you deal with intimidation? Like from the crowd or from, from other comedians? From like maybe fellow comedians yeah. that you like admired or like when you ever felt like, you know, I'm I'm not there yet. I want to, but I'm scared. I never felt like I wasn't there yet. I always felt like they just didn't know yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, you're talking about insecurity. Yeah. yeah. Intimidation, yeah. insecurity. Yeah. I... I think like when I started out, I just assumed that everyone was gonna like me, 
and then I would make them, they would have to be a huge dick to not like me. Like, especially when I knew that they were kind of that way already, I would just be like really nice to them. And then if they did blow me off, I would just be like, oh, they were just busy talking to somebody else. They still like me. Uh, I think like from really big comedians who were like, just literally like, oh, they're famous. I don't know what to do around them. I would just be like, I'm afraid and I'm gonna be afraid. And I didn't know how to process it. I was just afraid. Who? What big comedians were you around? That, that uh, I got open up for Jimmy Fallon one time, right before he took over for Conan. And what was that like? <laughs> I don't know if I should talk about Please. it. Please. Really? Okay. Yeah. He hasn't put me on a show. Uh, <laughs> he said he would. I think he's just really busy. Um, it's been a couple years. Did he really say he put you on the show? <laughs> I told my mom. She was, he, they, my parents came backstage, and he hugged my parents. He never hugged me. Uh, <laughs> I even told him to go to the Bears game, and he went. Uh, and he, he was like, you know what, you should come on the show, do something funny. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And I should have got his cell phone number or something. Okay. I don't know. But it was weird because, like, as a stand-up comedian, when you tour, you're alone or whatever. I, I'm sure there's times where I don't look like I'm approachable. But he just seemed that way for, like, most of the first, first half of the weekend. Then the second half of the weekend, he was, like, pretty cool. But the first half of the weekend, it was sort of like, oh, you're nice to everybody else but me. <laughs> so he was kind of insular? Yeah, very much like, oh, I'm going to warm up over here and then... There was a weird time where he was like warming up before he went on stage in the green room, and it's the green room. That's where, I don't have any place to go either. How big is the green room? You know, it's like smaller than the stage. Okay. And I was like, "Do you want me to go out?" And he's like, "Yeah, if you could." I'm, like, oh. <laughs> I'm gonna wait out here and then walk past you when I have to go introduce you. Uh, and like he was just sort of like he seemed like a like a headliner that had been on the road for like 20 years and was just kind of like upset. Like he complained about the hotel, and then he had to move them, and then like, he uh, he would complain because like, at a restaurant, they sat him right next to somebody, and there's a big restaurant. Like, things that are kind of normal to complain about. Are you going out to dinner with him? No, this is like when he comes to the show, and I'm like, how was your day? He's like, ah, I went to this restaurant, and there's a whole restaurant. They sat me right next to these people. I'm like, uh, I bet restaurants are nice. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, so I think he was just sort of like, you know, it's easy to get sad and depressed on the road, and he just didn't censor that for me, he censored that for everyone else who came in the room. What did you learn from that? What did I learn from that? Yeah. Uh, that I shouldn't have taken the gig, like that he was going to be a dick. Are you serious? <laughs> I had a college that I canceled for, and my manager was like, don't cancel the gig, don't cancel the college for it, and then I did it, and my manager was like, oh, he's kind of a dick, right? And I was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> ah, everyone's going to judge me now. Uh, <laughs> That's funny that, 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 that it's known... That he's My manager said that I feel like he definitely has like when he met like the staff and he met the club like he was there but like the people like the guy he was traveling with he wasn't necessarily always nice to and like he, he ended up signing my like I had a CD that he signed and he was watching my set uh, so he eventually sort of came around but he definitely wasn't this person who was like oh I'm so happy you're here <laughs> great we got uh, time for one more question yeah right here what are some of your favorite uh, open mic venues in the city here now in, in Chicago nowadays. Um, I go to Shuba's sometimes. My favorite ones are the ones where they put me up right away without question. Uh, <laughs> does that, is, does that, is that easier now that you've made a name for yourself? Uh, I don't know if it's easier. It's just some people do and some people don't. Like there's one that I'll go to. I've been to like five times. One time I was working on a set for something. Like it was something I was specifically working on and it was like a crowded room on Clark and I went back and I was like, can I go up? And they're like, oh, this is full. It's like, oh, okay. Do you ever try to throw your weight I, around? I can't do really? that. Really? What am I gonna do? Like, if they don't know I've been on something, then what am I? Then I'm be like, I was on Ferguson. Like, okay, well, this list is still full. Right. <laughs> Did I say letter? <laughs> yeah. Letter. Some guy. Some people. Some people know it and they really like it and they have me. And whenever I do get to go up right away, I feel like I'm cheating because I'm like, well, I'm. I've been doing it for a long time and I'm only gonna get better because they're letting me do a bunch in a row. That's really. Helpful How long me. have you been doing it? Uh, the first time I went on stage was in 2002. But I didn't really start going up every night until like 2004. And, and how many how many years did it take you to like? I'm really good at this. I mean, 2007 was when I first started so, like winning contests. Okay, so five years. Yeah, yeah. And did you know you were good before you won a contest? Yeah, I, I started the secret, so I imagine that I was. <laughs> I think I had some sets that were really like kind of like strong. Like I started doing sets at Zanies that were really like hot sets. Like I'd get a lot of laughs and they'd be punched together. Cause like open mics can give you a bad sense of yourself. Cause like they've heard your jokes that work and so they're not laughing. And so it's sort of hard to piece it together. But I started doing more clubs mixed in with that where I was like, oh, this is working very well. So I started to get that feeling. What, what advice would you give people who are starting out today? Maybe they're doing improv. Yeah. You know, everyone comes to Chicago yeah. to, to figure out what they want to do in comedy. What advice would you give? 
Um, I, I would say I've been given so much great advice throughout the years, but if I had to say like one thing, I would just say like, just do what you're doing and keep doing it and feel really good about the times that you get to do it. And uh, if you feel like you could do it more, but you're not able to because of your job or just do what you can do and just grow from there and feel the more that you can feel positive and moving forward in what you're doing, the more fun it's going to be and all that. What's, what was some of the advice that you were given uh, that stuck with you? Yeah, I listened to an interview that Seinfeld did and uh, it's like on a CD from the 80s or something. It wasn't on a CD in the 80s. It just came out of the CD later. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, just work, you know, like go on stage, write, go on stage, write. Um, and then uh, there was another good advice that I heard. Oh, Brian Posen. I was talking to him because he's like my first improv teacher ever. Brian Posen. Who, yeah. yeah he, he's the guy. Runs, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I was asking him, like, should I do stand-up or improv? Like, what? And he was like, just do everything that allows you to be creative. Like, if you can't do everything, like, take all the classes. Do everything that can you can be creative. And I felt like that, that really... Uh, hasn't panned out yet, but I feel like eventually someday. Because <laughs> I, I feel like focusing on one thing, like I definitely have friends that just did stand-up or just did improv, and it's like, oh, they're gonna move a little faster, but I feel like for my whole view of what I'm gonna do, maybe someday it'll all work out. What is the whole view? I wanna like have like sort of like a production company and produce TV shows or movies, and then also go on the road and do theaters doing stand-up. All right. Yeah. Michael Palasek, thank you so much. Yeah. For being And there you have it. Another episode of Improv Nerd is in the can. That's the Michael Palasek uh, episode. And I love that story about Jimmy Fallon. And I got to tell you, because I'm super judgmental, and I'm, je- I'm jealous. I'm, cer- I'm certainly jealous. I kind of look at uh, Jimmy Fallon a little different, uh, even though I think you know, what he's doing on the show is, is great. I want to thank our guest, Michael Palasek. I also want to thank uh, the good people here at Stage 773 here in Chicago for being our home base, for treating us like rock stars. Uh, Also, as always, my producer, Ben Caprero. You wouldn't be hearing my voice right now without Ben. Uh, As you can figure this, if if you've already figured this out because you're smart people, we're on feralaudio.com. We love being on feralaudio.com. Who wouldn't love being on feralaudio.com with people like uh, other podcasts like Chelsea Peretti, Matt Dwyer, Steve Agee, uh, Dan Harmon, Todd Berry, the, the, the list goes on and on. If you want to know more and check out their wonderful podcast and see who we are uh, there in terms of the family, uh, our Feral Audio, check out feralaudio.com. If you want more information about me, Jimmy Corain, and my uh uh, award-winning classes, The Artist Low Comedy, and my Improv Nerd blog, which I love writing, I love the response, and it really helps people become better improvisers, go to jimmycorain.com. Uh, and please, please, please like us on Facebook. Go to the Improv Nerd uh, fan page, uh, which is just Improv Nerd at Facebook, because uh, it really helps with my low self-esteem. The more likes I get, the less Prozac I take. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Hotel Lincoln, and I want to thank you guys for listening. And until next time, remember, walk, don't run. I'm Kyle Ayers. I'm the host of Never Seen It, the podcast where comedians rewrite famous movies and TV shows they've never seen, and then we give them a read in studio. This is a clip I want to play for you guys from an episode where Langston Kerman rewrites Scarface. He's never seen it, but he wrote a script based on what he thinks he knows about it. And here's a clip. Give it a listen. All right. Scarface, The New Frontier. Interior, happening discotheque. Remember when we call clubs discotheques? <laughs> LOL, the 70s were crazy. Night. The crowd bustles with young, hot Mexicans who are supposed to be Cuban and all are dressed in butterfly collared shirts and pants that look like Jinko jeans and pleated khakis had a really weird baby. <laughs> There's sex in the air and Poppy wants a whiff. <laughs> oh my God. Scarface, 22 to 45. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's a television audience demographic? (laughs) 
devilishly handsome, not even a little bit Italian looking. So get that out of your dumb brain. <laughs> Walks through the crowd with the confidence of a man who's going on MTV Cribs with the Yin Yang Twins. <laughs> one day. Does he actually have a scar on his face? Fuck no. Why would he even? Why would you even ask that? That's not important. What's important is that he is not at all a problematic stereotype, <laughs> and that he has come for his cocaine. <laughs> As he approaches the red rope of the VIP, pronounced V-A-P in Spanish, oh my he spots his dear friend who is almost certainly going to become his enemy by the end of the film, Smooth Skin. Scarface yells out his signature line. Ciao, Bella. It's me, Scarface. 